Hi, I'm Sam Fesich from the EduMagic Podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to episode 111 of the Google Teacher Podcast, your source for the latest Google for Education news, tips, tricks, and ideas you can use in class tomorrow. I'm Matt Miller from Ditch That Textbook. And I'm Casey Bell from Shake Up Learning. And in today's episode, we are talking to a teacher who is working in the trenches, y'all. She has implemented remote learning for the first few days, and she's going to give us the inside scoop. We are talking to Carly Black, and I think you're going to love what she has to share today. We've also got some really important Google news and updates, some questions and feedback from our listeners. That would be you. And of course, a couple of things to share from the blogs. So Matt, you ready to do this? I'm ready. Let's go. So to kick off our Google news and updates, we have a big update related to Hangouts Meet. Fairly recently, Google has released the news that all of the G Suite Enterprise features for Google Meet are now available to all of the education institutions that that use G Suite. That really opens up the possibilities for bringing more people into video calls and recording them and live streaming them and all of that. It's also uncovered a couple of unforeseen circumstances that were not great for doing education remotely. For instance, they've just recently made some changes so that teachers have more control over those video calls. Here are some of the changes that they've made. For instance, only the meeting creators and calendar owners of these Google Meets uh, video calls can mute or remove other participants in a meeting. When we opened a lot of these up and teachers started using them, we had uh, situations where kids were muting each other, where they were moving each other, sometimes even removing teachers from the meeting, which was making things very difficult, as you can imagine. And then also (laughs) meeting participants. Can you even imagine? I I know some of you have gone through it. Some of you know exactly what we're talking about. But um, And then Mm -hmm. meeting participants aren't going to be able to rejoin nicknamed meetings once the final participant has left. So you had students that were jumping back into video calls after the call had finished. And so this will make sure that once the call is done, it's done. A couple of these little, little adjustments that are going to make things a lot easier. So if you've seen some of these frustrations, then guess what? Google has responded and they're taking care of it. Yes. And Google responded very quickly to the whole situation. And that makes me very proud that we have a Google teacher podcast here that that's one of the reasons why I love Google is they do listen to our needs. And something else that they did that I think is phenomenal is they created a teach from home website. It's a temporary hub of information and tools to help teachers during the coronavirus crisis. And I love that they got this together so quickly and it is awesome, y'all. So the teach from home site has something really cool at the top. If you click on where it says toolkit, you can choose the language. And there's actually a PDF download with tips 
on teaching from home. So those teachers who need paper, (laughs) yes, you can print this out. Of course, you can save this and post this on your home learning sites for your schools as well. But it has quick tips for setting up a video call, um, tips on reducing bandwidth. So, you know, we've got an additional load that's hitting all of these applications right now, including Google Classroom and Google Hangouts Meet and all of these things. So we are going to have to make some, you know, adaptations to the way we use things and cut down all of the things that we're streaming at once. So they've got some tips there, tips for teaching, how to give an online test and creating an assignment in Google Classroom. Lots of just great quick tips in the toolkit. So that toolkit is part of this website, Teach From Home. And if you scroll through this, one thing they've also decided is they have created their own hashtag because we needed like 20 hashtags for this event, apparently. (laughs) But it's hashtag teach from home, which I think is a a really much better way of framing what's going on than just distance learning, because this is unprecedented. This is something we're doing that's different. They've also broken down lots of different tips and tutorials on this page to answer some of these questions. So a lot of teachers are now asking, how do I teach with video calls? How do I do lessons on a video? So they've broken this down. They've got tutorials that are all quick links right here on the site, how to teach remotely without video calls. So a lot of schools are locking that down, privacy issues, can't use Hangouts, can't use Zoom, whatever it is, but how to communicate through Google Classroom or how to use Google Sites and Google Forms and Google Docs and things like that, how to make lessons accessible, because that's another huge question that's facing teachers right now, is how to address our special education students and students that need modifications and have IEPs. And of course, there's more. I'm not going to read the whole thing to you, but y'all, this is huge. And of course, it's in our show notes. Yes, absolutely. And you know, uh, Google's had a lot of resources out there already when it comes to blog posts and trainings and one pagers and different things like that. And so what they've done is they've gathered all of this together in this COVID-19 support resources page. So basically they've pulled in just dozens of these different things related to Hangouts Meet. They've got their first day trainings um, all available right here. They've got some videos. They've got even more things related to, you know, accessibility and you're just, just lots of, lots of resources that you can go to. So they've pulled all of these together kind of in this one, um, collection curation, so to speak, so that you can go in and find some of these really quickly. And yes, again, link in the show notes. And yet there's more. We had a really hard time whittling this list down to just the essentials, but they have shared so much with us. So another link that Google put together has to do with the Chromebook App Hub. So if you haven't explored the Chromebook App Hub, it's a place to go find apps for your Chromebooks. And of course, some other devices as well, because most of these are just web-based tools. But they've actually curated their technology partner resources for distance learning. So this includes all of those fancy lists that are floating around right now, where uh, things like Book Creator and BrainPop have made their premium versions available. So this is another location where you can go to find those things. And y'all... Just want to make a quick note. Please don't send these massive lists to all the teachers. <laughs> uh, th- this is overwhelming. And this is where your technology skills come into play. So most people who listen to this, are you are already a leader on your campus in some respect. But 
just want to put that out because I'm getting so many questions from teachers who don't know what to do with these lists. So, you know, let's pick the best things and stick with them. Oh, and one more little shout out really to Google is they have also created a form where you can submit your distance learning tips. So if you have something that's working, something that's great, a handout, whatever it is, you can now submit that to Google and they will um, most likely be sharing that on Twitter and some other places just to help spread the love. So um, all of these things are so important to all of us right now. I know we're all under tremendous stress and trying to figure this out. These links are in our show notes at googleteacherpodcast.com slash 111. Today, we have Miss Carly Black joining us on the Google Teacher Podcast. And Carly is a high school English teacher. She currently teaches sophomores, but she has taught many different grades over several years. And I reached out to Carly recently based on what I had seen her posting online. So Carly, while remote teaching her high schoolers, was also homeschooling her little kids at home. I think we've got a preschooler and an elementary age student at home. So it's like, this is perfect. We all need to know what it's like in the trenches. Some people are still waiting. Some people are on the extended spring break and are about to kick this off. And I thought, who better to help us than the amazing Carly Black? So thanks for joining us, Carly. Oh, well, thank you. That was sweet of you. (laughs) <laughs> well, I, you know, I, you and I have known each other for a while now, and I feel like I'm probably going to forget to say all of the things that you do. But would you tell us a little bit more about your role and kind of what you do in education? Because you do a lot of things, just like all teachers do. Basically, right now, I am teaching 101 high school sophomores English, and I have my two little kids But I also try to do a lot through my Teach Mom Repeat blog. Um, I've been trying to teach teachers about blogging in the classroom and sharing all of that. And then I recently created um, a course on how to help moms come home from school and be a little more successful at balancing being with your students and then being with your own kids and putting all that together. So that's kind of what I'm trying to throw out to the universe and help out with other people. Yeah. And that's, that's really, really awesome. Um, and I'm, I'm so curious to hear, you know, we all seem to have our own stories around all of this. Like, um, you know, where were you? I kind of, kind of compare it in my lifetime, at least to how everybody was asking about, you know, where were you when nine 11 happened? And, um, you know, we all seem to have our own stories about how it has affected our own lives. So I'd love to hear a little bit about yours, about, you know, sort of how this all came down um, in your particular teaching position and how you got things ready to go in a short amount of time. So this is really kind of a funny story. (laughs) We are currently reading a post-apocalyptic novel. And my assignment to the kids, I know, right? My assignment to the kids to get them ready for that was to kind of dig into post-apocalypse and apocalyptic events. And so we wrote argumentative papers about an apocalyptic event. So if this particular trend were to continue on its path without intervention, it would become an apocalypse. And kids argued 
why it needed this intervention or that intervention or those kinds of things. So a lot of kids started picking coronavirus and my co-teacher and I would just like roll our eyes. We're like, that's ridiculous, you know, but we'll leave it, you know, let the kids roll with it kind of a thing. And who knew? (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) So it kind of actually felt like it started there for me. Um, you know, helping kids research and looking at that, which I laugh now because I feel like they're all going to have to go back and redo their art assignments because their papers are going to be outdated with the data. But, um, but then when, let's see, I think it was last week, our superintendent said to us, it's looking like schools are going to close. But the way that he phrased it, it really felt like we were going to have maybe a week. Literally that afternoon at 2.30, when all of our students were already driving away on buses and in their cars, the governor says, we're closing schools at the end of the day, Monday. And we were like, wait, what? (laughs) So that was sort of like, oh my gosh, I kind of thought I was going to have a week and I was feeling okay about that. But then yes, panic started to really like set in and... I think I grabbed a few things to go home for the weekend and Casey, I played the interview that you did with, uh, is it Jen Pearson, uh-huh. Pearson on the, on my way home? Cause I had 20 minutes to drive home. So <laughs> I need to listen to this. <laughs> um, because honestly I had skipped it. I was like, we've got time or it's not going to happen here in Ohio. And, you know, I just really did not think that it was going to be coming down like this. I used the weekend to kind of listen to what Jen shared and looked at those kinds of things. And I thought, okay, what am I already doing that I can just go ahead and move that digitally? And I kind of realized most of what I do is digital anyways. And that didn't, that, so that didn't really make me feel a lot of pressure. I think for me, a lot of it was, some other personal things. My son's birthday was that week and we were prepping to leave in three weeks to go to California for my brother's wedding. And I felt like there was a lot to try and put into place. And then Monday happened and our superintendent, well, or Friday, sorry, that was Thursday. So Friday happened and I appreciate our superintendent gave us a, a delay. So he met with the teachers in the morning. We had a staff meeting And they said, do what you can to talk with your students today and figure out what you're going to do. And then we will close on Monday. So I quickly put together a little handout. I call, I used um, Canva to create a little newsletter. And I just kind of went through a couple things, talked to the kids about what you need to be successful at home. Uh, what are we, what have we been doing? And then what are we going to do? Like, what's the vision going to look like at least for the next week? And thankfully I used the resources that Casey and Jen shared in that podcast. Can we see this? Cause I'm very interested. This is, <laughs> this is going to be helpful to other teachers too. If you can, if you can share that uh, with us, I'd love to see what's been going on and what you shared with your, your students. So you were you were in regular school. You weren't in like a spring break mode when you got all of this notice. No, our spring break is the first week of April, the first full. Oh, week. okay. 
Yeah, so so many of especially down here in Texas, our, our we were kind of in the middle of spring break, and that gave us either a cushion or a panic time, but <laughs> however you want to look at it. So, you, how did your school decide to approach this? Like, are there certain number of days or classes or schedules or what, what was the guidelines they set forth on how this is going to work? So in the beginning, we were planning to attend school. We were all going to be present in our buildings as teachers on Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. And we would have to be there for about six hours from eight to two o'clock. So we all did that on Monday. Everybody came in, kind of did their thing, um, set up some stuff. I did some Google Meets. I created a check-in form. Like I kind of got our, our our stuff organized. Then we got an email at the end of the day that said um, we didn't have to be at the building until noon on Tuesday. So that suddenly changed. So then... I ended up giving a short Google Classroom basics to some elementary teachers on Tuesday and then went to a staff meeting with our superintendent. And that's when he told us that everybody's gone to working remotely. So if you need to come to the building, you're allowed to. Um, But then whatever you're doing job-wise you should be available to your students and their parents within a six-hour window, and everybody can work remotely from home. Wow. And it's such a fast turnaround. That's crazy. Um, and I, I wanted to hear, when you found out that, that this was going to happen, what was sort of your mindset for shifting from lots of time face-to-face I mean, it sounds like you already had a blended learning environment. So lots of face-to-face and some digital stuff. But then you're transitioning over to a, you know, a a solely online environment. And I wondered how you made, sort of how you made sense of that or (laughs) tried to make sense of that with, um, you know, like like what were some of your guiding principles to making that shift? Because I think if we can if we can hear how other people have thought through this process it might be able to help us through our process too so what were some some of those those guiding principles that you used to make the shift so one of the things i thought about was using zoom because i've used the platform before and i know it's an app on your phone and i thought you know kids could use that. So I prepped that with my students and said, um, you know, download it, go take a look at it. But then I also started looking at all the other resources and things and started realizing Google Meet would also work. And I liked that because I could quickly set a, um, a meeting in Google Calendar and then email it out to kids But right now, I've just made it an option for kids. Like, I feel like they're so overwhelmed as much as we are overwhelmed. So I didn't want to set any hard, like, you need to be here. You need to be logged in. Because a lot of them were telling me things like, I'm going to have to babysit. Or one kid said his hours just jumped at his job. And so I didn't want to, I just wanted to make it an option. So I said, I will be here. If you need me, I'm here. 
and I gave them a time frame. And so uh, there were a few who jumped in, but um, I, I mean, a lot of the kids, my kids are high schoolers. So some of them felt the need to do some face to face, although I saw a lot more ceiling fans and pets. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. That I actually did student faces, but because um, they're not, I don't know, I guess they maybe feel a little bit embarrassed to be on video. We tried, we did some Flipgrid and we're doing, I'm turning all of our reading assignments into Flipgrid videos. So we'll see if they actually show up or if they sticker their face, but <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm really curious too. So in this transition, what devices did students already have? Did those already go home? Is there some kind of expectation that you know they have access at home? So our biggest issue is not really device issue. It's internet issue. But because we are a one-to-one school, so they created a basically like a contract kids had to sign to say they were checking out a Chromebook. Um, my husband did have some kids with his class because he teaches a photography class and he teaches computer science. So they needed uh, different laptops, not Chromebooks. So that was kind of, they had to figure that out. Um, But we let kids take stuff home if they needed it. The biggest issue is because we have kids living in rural settings and a lot of them have to use data And then they're telling me they're running out of data and some of them don't have Wi-Fi. I found that in our district where my kids go to school, that it's it's very similar. We're in a pretty rural setting and they found that, you know, there's there's a decent amount of kids that just don't have internet access. So a lot of the teachers are kind of making the digital, non-digital um, option like a choice on which one they want to do, and so they're they're creating. And I know the the word worksheet packets make a lot of us cringe, but I'm I don't know about <laughs> you, but I'm kind of like deferring my my judgment, my wrath on all of that in these like emergency times, you know, because all of mm-hmm. us just have to try to figure out a way to to survive and to to make things work. So you know, for the ones that don't have the internet access, they're sending home some of those paper based assignments, and for the ones that do have it, then they're making it you know, kind of available digitally. And I think that's that's one of the ways, at least I've seen in our own district, that they're trying to to make the most of this. Right. A lot of us either put out paper copies of things. They organize the front lobby of our office area with color bins and every teacher has a bin. So if you needed to put any paper copies there, you could do that. And then students can just come in and go check the bins. It's really interesting seeing how different schools are approaching this. I know um, I was talking to someone else who they were delivering paper to their students and um, creating those and delivering meals. Of course, it was in a small rural community as well. But yeah, this is this is a legit problem. And I'm with you, Matt. This is not the time to fight the the battle over the worksheet. This is survival mode. This is not our tech moment. This is not, ooh, everybody's going to be innovative. No, this is survival. This is when we're going to figure out, okay, these things were important and we should be prepared for more things like this in the future. But 
you know, just jumping in there. And I feel like you, I knew would be ready for this. And I saw the picture you posted in front of your computer and your microphone, you were getting ready to connect with your students. So my question is, how are your students doing right now? Well, those who have checked in, I am getting lots of, it it runs the gamut, honestly. So I've decided that there are basically three categories here. You have your students who are loving this. They are they're thriving because they get to organize their tasks in the in their own way. They are being able to set up their own schedules, come up with their own routines, and they love this. They're all in. And I really kind of feel like those are the kids that do really well in those independent kinds of options. Then you've got the kids who are at the opposite end of the spectrum because truthfully, organizing tasks is a learned skill. And if they've never really learned this, or if this is part of their disability, perhaps, or even if they didn't know that they struggled with this, they're learning now (laughs) that organizing tasks is hard for them. So one of the first things I did create were some checklists, because I knew, especially some of my IEP students, but some of my kids with disabilities, this was going to be a struggle, but I'm learning even some of my advanced students are struggling with in this area. And actually that is a typical gifted um, struggle is to be able to take everything and organize it into do this first, do this second, do this third. So I created some different checklist options for the kids. Um, And then that third category are the kids who they, I think, have struggled with the freedom and feel a little paralyzed by everything that's happening. They don't even, they haven't even started or don't know where to start. Even if they're good at putting tasks together, I think they're too much into what's happening at home or just that enticement of, I can sit in my PJs all day and binge watch Netflix. Like (laughs) (laughs) they, they don't really know what to do or see the importance or whatever the case may be. So those have been what I've seen as far as my students. They either are thriving, are drowning, or don't know where to start. So Carly, tell us what it's like from the teacher and parent perspective while being at home, teaching your students remotely, while also homeschooling your three-year-old and your five-year-old. Yes. So both my husband and I are teachers, but we both teach high school students. So um, we kind of came up with a little bit of a schedule. We're definitely utilizing those read alouds that are on social media. We did Mo Willems uh, doodle afternoon, doodle with lunch. We've been doing different exercise pieces, which have been nice because they make us take breaks also. Um, we went to the store and I organized lots of different crafts. We've been painting some sun catchers and (laughs) we're really trying to utilize my craftiness when it comes to those kinds of things. But it's definitely hard to explain to our three and five-year-old, I can't have you sitting on my lap right now. I 
need to email this student or you guys need to go play in the basement while we are up in the dining room trying to meet with students face to face. Um, We've really only had two full days of that. But of course, then too, the kids want to keep painting. And if we use up all the sun catchers, then we're out of them. And (laughs) it's trying to, you know, do just small little things at a time. Um, We printed off a lot of little letter things so they can practice the letters in their name and um, some sight words and things, which, again, is completely out of my expertise. (laughs) So um, it's, it's been a, it's juggle. You, you are, you are definitely juggling and trying to figure it out as you go. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing that. Cause I know a lot of teachers are parents and now finding this new balance of working from home while also homeschooling your own children from home. And, um, I think we're all just, you know, we're just trying to figure it out and I'm sure, you will find a way to ration <laughs> those those activities for your kids. Wow, it's like like we keep we keep saying this is this is like I mean it, it's sort of stating the obvious that this is uncharted territory for everybody. Really, um, I would love to see um, sort of maybe maybe one or two examples of ways that this looks in your in your class now that we've gone to. Uh, distance learning? Like, can you give us a couple, you know, just maybe one or two examples of how you've done, and and you've done a little bit of this already, but um, how you've done some activities and how they might look different now that we're doing them um, remotely? One of the things I'm asking the kids to do because I am not taking attendance or I'm not seeing them face-to-face, I'm asking them to do a daily check-in. Right now, are because Ohio did three weeks off, we still had three snow days left. So we're doing Fridays are considered quote unquote snow days. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I'm asking students to do a quick check-in. And there's like four questions. What's your name? How are you feeling today? One through five. And every day-ish, I kind of change up what my little blurb is for a one and what my blurb is for a five, just to I don't know, mix it up. (laughs) And then I'm asking them how can, or I'm asking them why they gave it that number. And then the last question is, how can I help you today? So some of them are taking advantage of that and really sharing and letting me know um, how they are. And then the ones who didn't really check in for a couple of days, I called home just to check and see where they're at. We do a book of the month project. So each each month they pick a book, totally 100% free choice. But normally they have a quick question that they're supposed to answer by the end of the week that I check on. And so that's on a piece of paper. So instead, I had already taught them how to do book snaps. So they're making book snaps and posting those on a Flipgrid that I created for that question. So I just did like week three the question is to choose a quote and explain its significance. So that's now a Flipgrid grid. Is that right? It's a grid? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So um, so that's kind of how I turned paper into digital. 
that's fantastic. I love the book snap idea. And I love, you know, your kids were prepared. They had already used some of these tools. So again, coming back to that idea that we're not throwing a bunch of new tools into the mix, that we have to keep things simple. And I think that's something you're already seeing with with your students along the way. And I found it very interesting, your comparison with the different students in terms of how they're embracing this, because that mirrors so much of what we see in the classroom when we begin giving student choice to begin with, you know, the kids that are ready and want to take ownership and then all the gamut of all the different varieties of students and how important it is that once we are back face to face, that we are enabling them and empowering them to to learn these skills to take this on. So I love that you have have jumped in with this full force and sharing all of the things with your students and you're checking in. You know, I just talked to my best friend who also teaches high school. She's still technically on spring break, just the regular one week spring break. And she already had to call all of her students because they were emailing her in a panic. They're already freaking out and they haven't even been told anything yet. And so I think it's so wonderful that you're giving that check in. I think that that social and emotional support is only going to increase as we continue to go through this. Well, and one of the things that I've noticed too, I, I posted about this on Instagram, a lot of teachers are saying, you know, don't add any new tech. But at the same time, I do think that you need to check with your colleagues. So like, if you are not knowing what to do, and someone suggests, hey, use Flipgrid, or hey, use quiz or use Google Classroom, like check and see if your colleagues have done it because, you know, the sophomores have done Flipgrid. So if Mm -hmm. the history teacher suddenly decides that he wants to use Flipgrid, he could. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're right. The kids are getting exposure in other classes, especially at the secondary level. So to make sure and sometimes we just don't talk to each other as teachers, you know, like find out what everybody else is using. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Well, Carly, this has been fantastic. We really, really appreciate your perspective on this, on being really transparent about what this has looked like. And we've already gotten, you know, a handful of really good practical things that that we could even use to try to make sense of this in in our classroom. Um, in our show notes at Google Teacher Podcast slash 111, we'll be sharing that uh, handout that Carly was talking about, as well as links to be able to find her. She does have a fantastic blog at teachmomrepeat.com where you can go check out kind of what she's up to. And if people want to get in touch with you, Carly, where's the best way to do that? I'm on Instagram and Twitter with Teach Mom Repeat and Facebook. Um, but you can always email me, Carly, at teachmomrepeat.com. Wonderful. This has been so good. Thank you so much. Best of luck to you as you're still trying to to work through all of this and stay safe. And thanks so much for joining us on this episode. Thanks for having me, guys. There's a letter in your mailbox. Hey, you know what? This is all your mail. Hey, maybe I'll give you a call sometime. You've got mail. We're going to jump into the mailbag, as we do, real quick, and we're going to wrap this episode up. So we got a voice message all the way from Hanoi, Vietnam, from Alexis Snyder, and she has some tips for working through home learnings. Take it away, Alexis. This is Alexis Snyder, and I am a fourth grade homeroom teacher at Concordia International School in Hanoi, Vietnam. And I have a couple of tips to help all of us out. 
Number one, when you're start first starting out, use tech that the students already know and are familiar with so that you can set up a home learning routine. Number two, when you're planning a lesson, to think about three things. One, what is the learning goal that I want the students to achieve? Number two, how could a student with minimal adult support be able to complete this assignment successfully? And thirdly is which tool will work best to meet those first two needs. I hope this is helpful and we're all in this together. Thanks. Thank you so much for sharing that. You know, a lot of us here in the United States, at least, I know we're just getting to the beginning of this. So to hear some experience from someone who's been through it for several, several weeks, this is this is super helpful. So Alexis, thank you so much for sending that voice message. Yes, it's so good to feel the love internationally, right? You know, we've been connected with a lot of different groups for for years, but I feel like this is growing right now, Matt. I feel like we're instantly relying more on each other at this time and I feel like it's it's a good time to be a teacher and I love I love hearing from everyone. We also got a a question in our inbox that we felt was pretty useful for everyone listening. This is going to be a question that's coming up right now. And she asked, Leanne asked, can you please tell me how to disable chat in Google Slides? I use G Suite for my morning work and my kids are chatting and we've looked everywhere we know to look and haven't been successful at disabling the feature. So here's the answer, Leanne. It can be disabled, but it has to be disabled by your G Suite administrator. So it has to come from the domain level. And I will have a link in the show notes on how to do that from the support page at Google. But it can be done. Unfortunately, at the teacher level, you can't do it. But I feel like this was an important question that I'm sure many teachers are facing if you haven't been typically using slides and sheets and all of these things in your classroom. And suddenly the kids find that chat box and they go to town and things just don't calm down. So if you need that, if you need that disabled, be sure that you talk to your G Suite administrator. And of course, the links to all of this in our show notes at googleteacherpodcast.com slash 111. Y'all, I don't know about you, but I feel like so much has happened since the last time Matt and I recorded. We actually got ahead for a little bit. And so we had a little bit of a break. And that was when everything just changed in this world. And there have been so many blog posts. In fact, I've, I I think I've posted something like almost every day, just in such a, a hurry to help teachers and, and to do things. So I'm going to, I'm going to break it down into just two today. The first thing I wanted to announce is I am putting together a tech coach collaborative uh, for lack of a better word. I just want to bring tech coaches together from around the world to collaborate and work on the issues that we are facing right now with the coronavirus and the school closures. So that is still a work in progress. I'm hoping we're going to be able to have some meetings, although the group is getting so large, I'm not sure it will be video based, but we're going to have some meetings. We're going to collaborate. We're going to share resources. And if you want to join us, um, there is a link in the show notes. And of course, there's a link on shakeuplearning.com. I also put together a blog post of free PD for teachers stuck at home. And essentially what I did was curate all of the things, all the things, hashtag, all the things that I've done over the last several years that are free and available. So ebooks, cheat sheets, videos, tutorials, webinars, 
all the things are there and curated in one page. So teachers who are sort of in that waiting period and wanting to make the most of their time can find some new learning. Yeah, that's that's a fantastic resource. I've been pulling some stuff together too. Um, so for me, I know a lot of the folks that read Ditch That Textbook are all about these ideas that you can use in class tomorrow. And since we're not going to traditional class tomorrow, we're looking at what are some you know e-learning, distance learning ideas that you can use right away. And so I've pulled together, it started at 50, 50 e-learning activities, templates, and tutorials, and has now gone to 70. So um, just continue adding different things to it. It's got some downloadable make a copy type uh, templates that you could assign right through Google Classroom, just a whole bunch of stuff that you can use. And like Casey, I'm also like a lot of people are right now, I think um, I'm also pulling together lots of e-learning, distance learning, remote learning resources. So I've got to ditch that textbook page available for that. And of course, links to all of these things are on the show notes at googleteacherpodcast.com slash 111. We hope that this has been useful to you. We hope you've gotten some ideas and some things that you can start using. But more importantly, we hope that you're okay. We hope that you are taking all of those precautions that we can all do to help flatten the curve and to try to get a handle on this thing. Sorry, I didn't mean to get like ominous on you there, but you're important to us. And and we really, really hope that, that things are going well for you more than anything yeah, Matt, it's okay because I kind of lost it the other day in a video when some people saw me crying. It's it's a tough time for everyone, and we feel yeah, we feel the stress, and we are both I feel like just scrambling as face as face as fast as we can to help and to do everything that we can, and we know you are as well. So just remember your priorities. Remember right now, everybody needs a huge dose of grace, and grace is much more important than grades right now. Absolutely. So. That'll do it for this episode of the Google Teacher Podcast, and we'll see you on the next one. Bye, y'all. Thanks for listening to the Google Teacher Podcast. Never miss an episode by subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts and by visiting our website, googleteacherpodcast.com. Join the conversation on Twitter by using the hashtag GTPod. Until next time, keep harnessing that G Suite power and may the Googles be with you.